Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is Fucking Killing Me. I'm Corinne. And I'm Rainy. Welcome back to the podcast, pals. Which week are we in? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> As I was saying yesterday, every two days I play a game with myself called Do I Have COVID-19 or Am I Just Bored and Alone? <laughs> So, do I have COVID nineteen, the flu, or am I just hungover? Or am I just hungover from the amount of rosé? Actually, I have like made a goal with myself that I don't start drinking usually until Thursdays. Oh, because and I like really try and make like try and drink at least two to three. I don't know how many. I think you're just drinking four liters of water a day. Is that right? Or two liters? I mean, four liters is like good. Is like very hydrated and probably functioning well. Right. I feel like two liters should be a minimum. Okay. So I'm barely reaching the minimum, but it is feels like a lot of water. <laughs> well, when you go from being dehydrated and never peeing to two liters of water, it feels a lot. I, I also just like people that drink four liters of water, I get very confused. Okay. Friends, get back to us. Is <laughs> it worth being four liters of hydrated of water sorry, four liters of water hydrated and peeing every 30 minutes? Because I do not see the benefits at this point. Mm. I I mean, some fitness people would probably argue with you. Yeah, but we're not yeah. asking fucking fitness people right now, okay? <laughs> this isn't workout podcast 2020. You have what it takes. I'm just wondering because I can drink probably like, I can drink three liters of water. I've been drinking yeah. probably just under two, which I know is bad, but guys, it's hard. <laughs> two, like two and a half, three every day. Yeah. And when I say every day, I mean from Sunday until Wednesday or Thursday. Um, but I do pee a lot. And it's, I think it's, sometimes it's really frustrating, especially when you go to bed and you have nothing else to think about. And then you're just peeing, not in the bed, but you have to get up to pee all the time. It's. Yeah. Peeing in the middle of the night is the worst. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, that's my those are my God. thoughts for the day. I don't know if I'm drinking enough water. I probably am, am not, but no, probably I not. Also think I am. I have a liter water bottle that I walk around with all day. Maybe I'm underestimating myself. Maybe I'm drinking over two. I don't know, fuck. <laughs> all worth it. I mean, I think like when you drink a lot of water and your body is properly hydrated, you're probably like less bloated and less inflamed. Mm. So you like feel better. Right. And then. Right. Sleep better and probably look leaner because your body's not like trying to retain everything because you're starving it. Mm. <laughs> See, I haven't felt like really bloated. So maybe I'm, mm. maybe I'm catching up with myself. Maybe. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. And it's also, I'm finding it hard to drink a lot of water, like, when I'm just... Sitting? Yeah. 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 Same. Same. So, anyway. And I'm also trying not to drink, like, anything else but, like, water. And then I have tea at night. I guess I'm not, like, including, like, tea, which is just dirty water. <laughs> right? Because yeah. you get, like, hydration from, like, other things. Like, you get... Like water hydration yeah. from things that aren't just you guzzling. Like people that drink four liters of water a day, what else are you fucking doing? That's what I'm. I'm really wondering. <laughs> yeah, you. I mean, they're like constantly drinking. I think because you have to be very conscious of it. Yeah, and then constantly peeing. I have yes. shit to do. I got stuff going on here. Like we gotta, 
we can't just be drinking and peeing all day. That's a solution for this. Yeah. No. I. I mean, you also get water from food. Yeah. And from other things. And for those that don't uh, really understand jokes or sarcasm, I'm I'm being slightly crazy right now, and I'm <laughs> I'm mostly joking. I do try and drink a lot of water, and I get the benefits. But just, <laughs> just trying to be funny, guys. Just trying to be funny. Trying to be funny in this sad, drizzly, <laughs> rainy world. Yeah. God. Um, well, this week we have Peter. Peter Kelly. Whom we love. Peter is a remarkable soul. And I really enjoy talking to him. And I always find that he's very insightful and um, super mm-hmm. kind. Yeah. He's a very generous soul. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But as you know, this is uh, the part of our kind of like three, two, new two-part uh, interviews where we take the interview mm-hmm. That we did a year ago, two years ago, however long ago, and we tack it on to a new updated and quarantine version interview. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which so far they've been really interesting and fun. It's so nice to connect with people that A, are in our lives regularly that we haven't been seeing lately or that we connected with a few years ago and, you know, are interested in what they're doing. Exactly. Well, so let's get going. Remember, after this first interview, there is a second part interview. So keep listening. I know I've been consuming so many podcasts. Mm -hmm. I have been listening to the Oh Hello podcast with John Mulaney and Nick Kroll a lot. So (laughs) funny. Um, Yeah. Let us know what you think. And we hope you're enjoying this content. Here we go. Bye. I think I was asking the question. Last time we talked to you was earlier was like February of last year and you were just getting ready to, um, or you were working with summer works and progress festival to curate some work for them. And you had just announced that new blue wasn't doing the festival for the first time. What has changed in new blues platform since this time last year? Yeah. So we ended up not going ahead with the festival last summer, just, for a variety of reasons. Um, and it was a great time for us to kind of rethink as a group what New Blue is and how it can best serve people moving forward and how we wanted to engage with it moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then fast forward to 2020, we actually, within the 2019 year when we would have done the festival, we applied to some grants and we were able to actually receive a grant from the Toronto Arts Council. Wow, congrats. Um, Thank you. And that was for um, our festival this June, which we'll get to, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, so um, the time was really good to kind of recalibrate the group and check our priorities, and especially personally, because I do most of the work myself. It was a kind of good time for me to kind of refocus and work on myself personally a bit more so I can then come back at New Blue with a new set of eyes and a different perspective. So the platform, it really has stayed fairly similar, actually, after all, all of that. But I think the group and myself have 
a different appreciation for it and a different relationship to it. And we've set a lot more boundaries around what we're willing to do and what we're not for free because we mostly volunteer our time. Mm-hmm. Great. What kind of, uh, it's okay. What, uh, when you say boundaries, Peter, um, you're talking mostly about because it's like been volunteer mostly. So I guess like what your funding can provide you and how you can like make the festival the most out of the funding that you got is that kind of what you're speaking about in terms of boundaries? Yeah, that's, that's majority of it. I think the other boundaries are like in years past, I would definitely bank a lot of like money. Mm. My, like my, like I would put a lot of money into it myself personally. Mm-hmm. And I would just kind of cross my fingers and hope I would get that money back, (laughs) which was not the sound way to do business. Like I was hoping and banking on the fact that we would get people in the seats. Right. And I think, you know, for, for an organization that's five years old now, I think it's time to kind of come at it a bit more realistically and sustainably. So I just told myself that I'm not going to put myself in those stressful financial situations again Uh even though they all worked out in the past i just it was just too much stress for for myself to kind of take on and it's unnecessary stress Uh so i think a lot of the boundaries around the financial aspect that if i don't have the money for it don't push for it because you don't have the money for it you you're actually unrealistic with the goals Uh and the other boundary is my time and the amount of time I put into the festival and to the organization and all the things we do, just really making clear work hours for myself, not caring if, you know, an email sits in the inbox for two days instead of responding straight away, mm-hmm. like really making sure I have time for myself because after a while, after doing it for five years, it started off as a passion, but the last festival I did in 2018, it was incredible, but it, I also, recognize that it's was becoming more of a job like an unpaid job and i was starting to resent it Mm -hmm. and that's not what the whole thing was about so i kind of had to you know reshift my um my perspectives and set some boundaries for myself so i can ignite that passion again and it wasn't so taxing on myself Mm -hmm. long term yeah yeah, I mean, I imagine it was, it, I mean, it was a lot of work. It was, it's obviously a wonderful festival that the community really craved. I'm After the podcast last year where you said you weren't um, going with it, I think that a lot of people are, were excited to hear that it was coming back this year. So I think that um, it's, it's going to be great when it, when it does get up and going. Um, is it safe to assume that because of the current world situation, it will not be running this June? Yes, we will not be, (laughs) we will not be running the first week of June as planned. Right. Um, yeah. And so how does that work? Uh, Because I'm more curious, how is it working with those funding bodies right now? Are you able to keep that money in the account or are you, how's it working? Um, yeah, it's, I mean, the, the councils have been quite great in being flexible about how the project may transform. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so I do have permission to turn the whole festival to like a digital platform. And I do have the permission to postpone it till, you know, 2025, if I really wanted to, like, I, there's so oh, many, wow. um, there's, de- there's definitely a lot of room for negotiation with the councils. Um, and they're really supportive of the artists and the producers of the various events that they funded. Mm-hmm. So it's actually been quite great. Like I called the grant officer and she was just like, literally whatever you can do is what you can do. So just do the best you can. And if that means you just pay the artists and you don't actually host an event at all, then that's what you do. Mm-hmm. They just want to make sure that the money gets distributed to the people that were supposed to benefit from that money. Mm-hmm. Um, the The end goal of the actual festival, if it, you know, if we postpone it exactly how it was and we get to do the whole thing, then that's great. But if we can't, then it's also okay. Mm-hmm. So that's actually been fairly positive mm-hmm. working with them. On the other side of it, it is slightly a cash cash flow nightmare in some ways and taxes nightmare. Yes. Because oh. you're now I'm holding I'm holding on to this money for longer than I thought. So it's it's yeah, there's kind of a few variables that I'm trying to negotiate right now. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, I would be concerned just having the money in my account and like having it sit there for a year. I would be a little stressed personally about that. So. Yeah, it's a little stressful for sure. <laughs> um, are grants taxable income? Um, I'm, that's a good question. I am currently figuring all this out. They are right. for the most part. Um, so yeah, yes, they are. And the, the issue is, is that I received the grant in 2019. Mm-hmm. But I'm all the expenses were supposed to be in 2020. Mm. So in my 2019 tax year, I have a large sum of money that's attached to my personal income, right. X, Y, and Z that we have no expenses to write off against it. So I'll be paying a lot in taxes in 2019, hey. but then I'll receive that money hopefully back in 2020. But now if we push it off to 2021, then it will be... wow. Ah, that was so stressful <laughs> to listen to. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. You can um, kind of you kind of spoke um about your well being in terms of the festival. And last time we had you on, you were also talking a lot about um how you had kind of taken your well like your well being uh a bit more. You were, you were really like concentrating on it last time we discussed like making sure you were healthy, eating the right things, seeing the right people. Um, how has that been lately? And then how has it been in effects with quarantine? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I've been, since I've started this, like I've really, I don't know, I'm a lot happier and I feel like I'm a lot healthier and all these things. So that's been pretty positive. The issue that I'm having in quarantine is that, well, A, I'm alone, like I'm alone in the apartment. So it gets a little lonely. And it, I'm also live in like a half basement, so I don't really have a like. I mean, I have a big window, but I don't have a nice view, and I don't have like green space, like a backyard or anything mm-hmm. like that. So that's, you know, just mental health wise, that's a little difficult. <laughs> um, but on the food end of things, it's kind of be nice to cook my own meals every day. I mean, I, I normally did that, but 
to kind of have time to do that and to kind of experiment with different types of food. Um, I generally keep a really stocked up fridge and um, pantry section anyways. So I'm not even having to go to the store. Like I go to the store maybe mm-hmm. once every three weeks right now, like, which is, mm-hmm. I can stretch a lot of food pretty good. Um, so yeah, I mean, the food stuff has been fairly consistent, eating really well, actually probably a little bit better than I was. My, my main issue is that because I'm, I have nothing going on right now, well, I have a few things, but I'm just trying to kill time. I tend to snack a lot. Yes. Yes. And the, the snack foods, the snack foods are hard. And I, so I don't buy them, but then I just buy myself like one chocolate bar and you try to like stretch it out for three weeks. <laughs> it's kind of cool, but like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm doing that either because I do believe in intuitive eating and intuitive, right. like a mindset around food. I don't like to restrict things, but I can just, I just know myself. And if I brought a lot of junk food into the house, I wouldn't even eat any real meals. Yeah. I would just have a bag of chips for dinner. So yeah. it's a balance. You, that's yeah. a real thing. Are you um, considered, you're not considered high risk, Peter, are you? In terms of leaving and being around the grocery stores um, and stuff? No, not at all. I'm just really paranoid. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not I'm not high risk or anything. Now, the only thing what's I'm on medication for mm-hmm. like a, a skin mm-hmm. thing I have. And if if they come out with a vaccine, I won't be able to get it. So oh. that's only kind of negative thing right. that I'm thinking about for the future. Oh, interesting. But yeah, but otherwise, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm totally fine. Mm-hmm. And I could go back home to my mom and my brother, like to live with them. But mm. my brother works at a grocery store. So I felt like we decided that'd be best if, that I'm not at home just in case he brought it home. But at least there's someone that's like removed from the family that could mm-hmm. make decisions if need to. Right. My mom's pretty old and we don't want her to get sick or anything. Mm-hmm. So he's been isolating himself upstairs. So they're not like, and my brother's not yeah. sick or anything, but. He's high risk, a little bit more high risk than others. Yeah. Um, As someone who was, I mean, you just spent the past year with TDT um, training and, you know, performing every day. Um, And I know that uh, there's been a lot of online classes happening. and, And I kind of, I think you posted something that I also very much felt, which is I just didn't have the the urge to participate in these online dance classes, even though, you know, it's great that people are offering them. Um, how has it been going from dancing and performing training every day to, to this quarantine life? Are you, are you feeling like you also want to participate or not? Yeah. Good question. Um, at TDT, I, you know, I was dancing every day and moving into quarantine, like (laughs) I haven't really honestly felt the urge to take any classes or to stay active in that way. Um, I have a lot of like personal things with like classes that are kind of zhuzhy and make you like dancing in your living room and feeling all the cells in your body and all of the, like, like I just, it doesn't really do much for me. I'm more, I, I prefer to like put my hand on a bar and do some like 
you know, dance moves to some dance music, which there are some classes, but my apartment's too small and I just like, I don't want to dance on the tile floor. So I have not really felt the urge to do that. Um, I think they're great though, for people who really enjoy to move by themselves. I think for me, I really, really, really realize that I really need to be with people. And that's the thing that I really like about dance class and dancing that I like the people mm-hmm. and the energy in the room. Mm-hmm. So something like GMD, like it's really, there's like an energy in the room that you just can't get through a, a, an Instagram video or Zoom meeting or something like that. So for me, I, I, I have not been taking them, but I think they're great. The main thing that's been difficult for me is that I, I had a personal trainer and I was going to the gym every morning um, and really working on my fitness in that way and now that i don't have access to a gym i didn't realize how much that would be a hard on my body like my body is already changing which is fine but um it's also hard on my mental health like Mm -hmm. i i miss that movement that form of movement way more than dancing at this moment in time Mm. so yeah i'm really struggling myself with the appeal of the online instagram classes i don't know it's it feels similar to you peter where i like love being in class with people and that's like community and seeing my friends and seeing my colleagues is like the main motivation for me to go to class or to like be in a fitness and movement setting so i'm feeling that right we're there with you yeah and something else i'll say is that then other people post a video of them taking the class or them doing an exercise or something and mm-hmm. then it also kind of i feel bad and then i feel like guilty that i'm not doing that and i'm not staying fit and active like these people yeah but I, I think there's like an expectation that like we're always supposed to be ready to go as dancers or our bodies are supposed to be just like we're always should be training but i think there's something in also not doing movement and healing our bodies and just letting our bodies do what they need to do and give them a rest. So I'm really taking this time as a rest period um, and trying not to care so much about um, what I feel are the expectations of the community at large. Totally. I think you really hit something on the nose there, um, speaking to those expectations. And and it's kind of like the first time probably as dancers in our you know, professional lives that we're able to take this break without that guilt feeling. I find it personally really hard to like even when this wasn't happening in the past years if I didn't dance for like a month um because I was on vacation or something I I would kind of have this this something in my stomach that was guilt um and there's this kind of like calmness about or at least I felt it at the beginning and a bit more now I'm getting used to these online things happening but there's a sense of calmness happening in um in not dancing and and like wanting to dance. It's like making me want to do my class again. And it's almost like that sense that you talked about with new blue, like this passion. And then if you do it so much and you constantly have this like guilt and like stress behind it, it it becomes a bit more like it's a job and less of you forget the reasons you originally started doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, Totally. Yeah. I, I I think that was, you hit something very special on the nose there when you, when you said that. Yeah. (sighs) It's weird. (laughs) <laughs> very weird it's all i can say most of the time when people ask me what how i'm feeling or what's going on i'm like it's fucking weird i don't know yeah 
It's yeah. very, very, very strange kind of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a weird time and there's lots of like weird I'm like very interested to see how my taxes go next year. <laughs> With like oh, I, Lord. I saw I think I saw you post something just about this about the CERB about making sure people were saving money. Yeah. Before that. And then I was talking to someone else about it and they were like, I don't think that's a thing. And now I Oh I, it's there's like so much information that's just like nobody knows, but it's kind of information you know and it's it's a strange Thing. Yeah, I know for a fact that CERB is taxable. So yes. they've said that multiple yeah. times, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's wise to save um, a portion of that, like twenty to thirty percent potentially. Now, for mm-hmm. like for me, I get in the habit generally to just any e-transfer, deposit, check, cash. I usually save, like, put twenty to thirty percent of that amount into like a a savings account or something so by the end of the year that's the money i would use to pay back the government their taxes but then i usually save a lot of receipts and off and write a lot of things off so then i end up not having to owe and then that money's kind of a a little bonus at the end of the year Mm -hmm. so i don't know i encourage people to do that if they can because it is taxable and they're gonna want it back Yeah, they're going to take as much of it back as they yeah. can when we're, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in debt after this. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. and I'm not I'm not actually on CERB oh, no. or whatever it's called. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I know that's a thing. Yeah. Did you choose not to apply for it because any reasons in particular or you just weren't eligible for it? Or? Um, well, with TDT, I pay into more of the regular EI benefits, unemployment insurance. Mm-hmm. So I'm when you, they've lumped CRB and EI together into the same portal on the Can the Service website. So I did apply to to that, but I end up getting the the employment insurance, not the CERB, because okay. of my um, work situation. Because I didn't actually lose work due to COVID nineteen, like my TDT work. The, the season ended right around the same time. So, um, mm. but I have lost work to COVID-19. Like all my freelance contracts in the summer are all completely annihilated. So I, but I can't claim both. Like I can't get EI and CERB. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So I did apply. I've saw, I'm on something similar to CERB, but I, yeah, it's a little different because I have a waiting period. So I don't get paid for the first week. And then my month and then my weekly rate is a little bit different than just a five hundred dollar flat rate. Mm, okay. Yeah. Mm. <sighs> Same. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm so happy that you were able to make time for us. Sorry for all the technical difficulties. Oh, it's all good. Um, <laughs> but it's been super nice catching up with you and like hearing about New Blue and um, congratulations on that grant. That's so exciting for you all. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Now, hopefully, yes. Hopefully, New Blue can come back. I mean, I curated the festival. Everyone's curated, but we have no venue, and it's going to be very difficult to, uh, you know, move a week long festival to just another right. week. Yeah. Right. Did everybody's you... everybody's going to be like clamoring for the same dates and the same venues as soon as like stuff lifts. You know. Yeah. Exactly. It's be a fight. <laughs> exactly and on top of that new blue like when we do our festival it's 
we have every single studio space in the building. Like we have the entire building at the Winchester for a full week. Uh-huh. So there's something in just having the theater for a week, but to get the entire building free for a week is very difficult and you plan it a year right. or two in advance. So uh-huh. yeah, like the light, like it's, it's pretty much like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> uh. Have you, have you thought about doing it to a digital festival or are you, that's really not what new blue was like. What have you put any thought into um, kind of making use of the curation that you've already done? Yeah. Um, I did. I've put some thought into it. I don't, <laughs> I don't like the digital platform idea just for new blue specifically. I yeah. think some artists could take advantage of that a little bit more than others, but I don't think it's really, in line with the mission of what I'm working on with New Blue. So it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And to be honest, I also don't want to have to put in all of my time and work into now developing a whole new platform on top of managing the entire festival. Totally. Like a whole yeah. dig- like I'm not like I'm tech savvy, but I'm not like I don't know. <laughs> like to have to coordinate all that or coordinate Instagram video live videos or Zoom meetings or Skype or I don't know whatever it might be performances or it's just it's a lot of coordination that I just frankly don't think I have the resources for and I would rather give that um, grant money directly to the artists and maybe they can use that towards development of their work longer term rather than mm-hmm. use that mm-hmm. money towards developing a new platform that is not doesn't really serve them the, the best way possible mm-hmm. so right yeah, I mean, I'm still in a lot of conversations with the School of Toronto Dance Theater and um, TDT and the other stakeholders to kind of see how this can evolve or, you know, potentially take place in the future. So, you know, it's like almost every day we're trying to brainstorm new ideas and stuff. So we'll see. Great. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. And I mean, I think all of us will look forward to when it's able to happen yeah again yes yeah. should be good so very much so peter if people want to check out new blue or more of your work where can they find you yeah so for new blue it's um www.newbluedance.com or at new blue dance on instagram and for myself you can find me at www.peter-kelly.ca or on instagram at the pk ism so t-h-e-p-k-i-s-m awesome yeah um thank you guys for listening to this um it's been so nice getting to be updated on peter and everything that he's doing um the next the part of his episode that we recorded last year will be tacked on right after this so take a listen thank you so i'm peter kelly i'm 24 years old born in guelph ontario but now i live in toronto um, I'd love to live in Vancouver one day. And yeah, I'm a dancer, choreographer, teacher, I'd say artistic director and producer. I have an interest in photography and videography. I'm the artistic director of New Blue Emerging Dance, an organization that supports emerging dance artists. And I'm a dancer at Toronto Dance Theatre, full time. Um, so how is your season TV going? Very good. Yeah, it's... Um, a busy one for sure, especially this last month. It's been uh, really hectic with 
the project we were working on mm -hmm. um, with slow dance and the shape we are in. Um, but we're just moving on to um, Persephone songs. So we're into the production end of things because we did a um, big creation chunk in the fall. So we're just coming back, remounting it, and then bringing it to the Fleck mm -hmm. Dance Theater, which will be nice. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been good. It's been a good year for me to just chill out and I finally feel like I found my place there mm -hmm. over the last four, this is the fourth season already. Is it your oh, fourth really? season? Yeah, it's crazy. Oh shit. I know. I was, I was like, gonna so be, this is your first season with TDT, I was right? going to ask if, you're, if it was your second. But. It's my fourth. Next year will be my fifth season. That's crazy. Wow. Is that nuts? I know. So it, it's been, believe <laughs> <laughs> me, I'm like, What? Wow. Yeah. So it's been really nice. Like I find it this, this season I found like, whoa, I'm really settled. Mm. Like I do feel like I've, I've hit a stride and I can understand the movement vocabulary because I also didn't go to the school, right. like the school of the Toronto Dance Theater. So I mean, um, like it took me a few years to even understand what a double bounce was properly <laughs> or like yeah. these kind of terms. Like I did have some training, but yeah, it's taken me a while to really feel comfortable in, like, a dance class. Right. Like, being able to get from the beginning to the end without, like, second-guessing my dancing or whatever, so. Especially with so many dancers there that did go through that whole yeah, program. Yeah, and they're all incredible, and I'm like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> they're so good. I'm yeah. just like, ah. So this is your fourth season. Yeah. And we were just talking about, like, your kind of, some health issues that you've had yeah. in the past. How was it negotiating all of your health problems and issues and the ups and downs of that while dancing full-time with the company? I, it, I will say it was quite difficult, especially last year. So last year was the 50th anniversary. Yeah. And we went on a big tour um, to like South America and mm -hmm. then across Canada. And you guys and went up north. We went up north, yeah. like to the Yukon in mm -hmm. the middle of March. Oh my God, like 40. <laughs> yeah. So my skin definitely went through a lot on top of that, um, because you're on tour, you're kind of just eating whatever you can find in these places. So yeah. sometimes it's like a convenience store for lunch or <laughs> if you're like way up in the boonies and you're just driving somewhere or an airport food or Tim Hortons and or, or you go to like a local restaurant, which is fine. But when you're at the local restaurant with all your friends, you tend to order like the fried chicken sandwich with the fries and like <laughs> you all drinking and so I, I definitely put my body through a lot last year. And then I was also taking like, I had, you know, lower leg pain and stuff. So I was taking like lots of Advil and Tylenol, you know, anything you can get. And then I got a stomach ulcer. And like, oh my God. <laughs> I was just like trying to manage all the symptoms at once. And it right. was really not good. So last year was really difficult. And that's kind of um, was kind of the tipping point for me being like, I, I really need to change something because it's also really embarrassing when like you have dry skin because I suffer from eczema, like pouring off your face. With the makeup nice. too. Yeah. And so I would like scrub like every day, probably every two hours, scrub it all off and then it just be red and exposed. And then you put on like a crap ton of ointment or like shea butter or something to just kind of like keep it in. But then you're trapping in like dirt and like it just it's it was not a good cycle I was yeah. on in a way <laughs> yeah so yeah and and also like partnering with people like I don't know it always it's always awkward sometimes when they're like 
looking at your hands or whatever. Yeah. And I have like splits or I'm bleeding and I'm like have tape everywhere trying to like not like get it more infected or something. Right. So And you're so close to each other, like in proximity. Yeah, yeah. In dancing and also just in rooms sharing. Totally. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. It was really difficult on a personal level. How was it from like a direction standpoint? Like the company itself when you were like, I can't do something or I'm like sick. Yeah. So I, I I didn't really ever tell them because there is like, I don't know. I feel like there's a bit of a pressure with doing those types of work where um, I feel like I have to be at my best all the time, even when I'm not. And that's something I, I mean, I should have probably spoken up a bit. There were times when I, like with my leg pain, I never really told them that I was in like a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. Um, And everyone had injuries and different things we were dealing with. And it was chronic kind of stuff. And I would go to Cairo and physio massage. I set up an appointment every city we were in and stuff. So I was trying to stay on top of it. But yeah, I never really talked to the the management team or director, artistic director or rehearsal directors about anything I was really going through. I did, when I got bad with my stomach ulcer, I did tell them mm-hmm. only because um, I had to go for tests and stuff. And then there was, I ended up having colon tumors. Mm-hmm. I found out I had colon tumors, which was a whole other situation. Yeah. <laughs> so like by having this and they found out I had other, because I was having a lot of symptoms and I was just like, and I'm a pretty, really reliable person, so I just never sat out or I just did everything and pushed myself, pushed myself, pushed myself. But yeah. at the end of the day, I was like, whoa, I need to <laughs> figure out what's going yeah. on. So I did tell them about the colon tumors and the other things I was going through just because I had to maybe miss a virtual mm-hmm. or something just for a test. But I'm all fine now. So right. <laughs> I actually ended up finding out I had an infection from... A reaction to a drug I had, which was which Through caused that. all these symptoms. <laughs> Through that. Yeah, which actually ended up causing the, the stomach ulcer too. I mean, the medication and like the Advil and stuff didn't help at all, but right, it was actually probably caused by this infection that was just like raging through my body for the last year. <laughs> right. Oh. Yeah. And on top of all that, last year you also lost your dad. Yeah. So. <laughs> It was a fucking year, I'll tell you that. What an awful year. Wow. (laughs) So sorry. It was terrible. Like it was it was it was this weird thing because I I never traveled. I never went on a plane. Like it was my very first time leaving Ontario really, like Mm -hmm. in a plane like dancing. So it was I got I mean I couldn't be any happier. Like I finally hit kind of the this is exactly what I wanted to do, yeah, right? right? Like go and travel the world, dance. Like it's it was kind of perfect, right? So it was amazing experience for me to like grow and learn about different Yeah, it was just like a very big learning experience for my life. And I was really happy by going on this huge tour and mm-hmm. it brought a lot of perspective to what I've been doing in Toronto. And then I had all, on top of all that, all the health issues. And then closer to the end, I put on my festival, which was in June. So I usually... Which is New Blue. New Blue, yeah. yeah. So New Blue Emerging Dance. We, I worked all year with TDT and then put on my own festival thing. Mm-hmm. And then one week later on Father's Day, my dad passed away. 
so it was like this happy it's just, it was a really weird place where happiness and grief collide like mm-hmm. full on because I came off this high from new blue I came off this high from touring I was struggling with the health stuff but I kind of got it under control by the time new blue came around and then that, that whole thing happened and threw my whole life into a tailspin for a good few months there so yeah it was very it was a very weird year I will say that yeah. like but with my dad passing away it did bring even more perspective to what I've been doing and what is actually important to me and what isn't yeah because um, I am a workaholic I love helping out people and trying my best to like create an open inclusive community for people but I also realized that by doing that I've completely neglected me my health for sure my mental health 100% for sure I just signed up for counseling I start next week Mm -hmm. like I'm just like just starting these kinds of therapies and um, things and I got the nutritionist now as of October and a personal trainer so I'm just trying to focus on me and less about others at this time it's not that I don't do other work and things Mm -hmm. for others but I'm really cutting back just the little odd end jobs here and there that were not adding any value to my life. Right. It was giving me an extra $50, but I'd rather. And, you know, eight hours less sleep. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a weird year for sure, but I'm working through it. Yeah. You're focusing on you. Yeah. It's the main one. <laughs> um, you just talked about how you really like, you love doing things for other people and now you need to focus on you, but where do you think all of that stemmed from? Like, have you always felt like you need to take care of people in your life? Oh yeah. So, <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I was that, I mean, I'm definitely an overachiever. So I was that kid. I didn't miss like as of grade seven, all the way through high school, I didn't miss one day of school. I didn't miss one class in college. I got perfect attendance for all of that. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to look. <laughs> so I, I was probably hung I'm, over for half the yeah, <laughs> So I'm definitely a overachiever in that sense. But I'm also like in high school, I was in all the clubs. I managed all of the, you know, I was the student trustee, student senate. So I did miss classes, but they're all excused right. for like reasons within yeah. like the structure of the school or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, I did all that kind of stuff. So I was always that person with the kind of creative entrepreneurial spirit to kind of help people out and in every single hand in every little pot I could mm-hmm. get myself into, like volleyball team, soccer, mm-hmm. you name it, I was doing it. Um, so when I went to college and I came to Toronto, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with dance because I did struggle like, I didn't think I'd be a dancer. I actually wasn't even interested in dancing for other people. <laughs> was that why you just had to go to George Brown instead of any other school? Um, it was or? the only program I wanted to go to. Mm. It was the only place I auditioned for. I actually got scholarships to go to school for restaurant management and um, that kind of stuff. And then I was like, you know what, I'll just audition for George Brown just for shits, just to <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> and I got in. I was like, you know what, I'll give this a shot. It's just two years, like... Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, it will help me. I'll learn something from it. And then in school, I definitely was struggling with like, okay, do I start something? 
like new blue or like because i don't think i'm gonna dance no one's gonna hire me and mm. i don't think like i want to do my own choreography so i thought if i start an organization i might be able to like eventually turn that into a little bit of a money maker mm-hmm. and turn that into something i could live off of a bit and it's still within the dance realm so yeah i think i've definitely like when i was younger i was always that kid that helped people out and was like very kind loving person that just like mm-hmm. would do kind of everything so it definitely stemmed into my choices in college and where I wanted to go and um it's brought me to where I am now sitting here mm-hmm. so yeah. <laughs> I Why guess it worked no one would hire you oh I didn't think I was a good dancer at all and I still don't think so like, <laughs> I was gonna I, say just like a second ago you were just saying that you like didn't think you were no. Good, and, t- in, and you're in the company. I know. I literally, okay. <laughs> but I also, I, I, I don't know if you two also know this, but I've had two reconstructive hip surgeries. And like, so I was in sick kids and McMaster Children's Hospital, mostly at McMaster Children's Hospital for like two years, like in and out wow. and all kinds of appointments and stuff. And I had these two major surgeries. And I was like one of nine people at the time that had this type of surgery. So I didn't have to have like a traditional hip replacement like they would do. They, um, it's done arthroscopically and they put in resin and they paralyze you for a month and they shave your bone. It was this very intensive surgery. How old I was, uh, my first one, I was just turned 17 and my second one at 18, I think. Okay. It was between the ages of 16, 18, really, mm-hmm. where when it all was kind of happening. Um, so when I finished that like I didn't dance for probably two or three years Mm -hmm. like a chunk there where I stopped dancing I had these surgeries so I didn't think that I would be able to dance Mm -hmm. so that's why I knew George Brown had a good ballet program it was just two years I didn't want to waste four years at a university program or I didn't want to go to STDT because it was Graham and they sit on the floor in these like weird positions that I can't do so hard on your hips already (laughs) so I was like, and I got the, I was, I got some scholarships to go to school and I was pretty much set on doing that. And then I was like, you know what, I'll try auditioning because I haven't danced in three years. Mm-hmm. So I auditioned for George Brown and I actually got in and it was the first time I danced in like three years. My mom bought me a whole new ballet outfit <laughs> with the white socks, the white ballet shoes, the black tights. Your mom's the, the best. Yeah. So <laughs> my whole family, we drove down to George Brown and we auditioned and I got in on the spot, which was cool. So I said, you know what, I'll do this. It will only help me strengthen my hips. So that was kind of the idea was that, okay, I want to be in the arts. I'm not going to be able to dance. I don't know how long these hips are going to last. So what else can I do from this? Um, Yeah, I guess I'm dancing now. (laughs) (laughs) And how are the hips? Are they working for you? They're working enough. Yeah, I mean, they're okay. They're, They're not perfect by any means. I have like zero... I probably have negative internal, like I can't get my left leg to parallel. Um, you probably can't tell when I dance, but. Interesting. Like I can't, I have no internal rotation on my left, maybe 10 degrees on my right, which is not a lot at all. Like you should, right. you should have the same amount you have on internally and externally. Yeah. yeah. I, have ex- I have a lot externally, but like none internally. Uh-huh. And it's like really painful and I can't get my knee up past 90 without it like pinching at the hip in a parallel position mm. so so you have to turn up yeah so like i like turn up yeah <laughs> which is good because a lot of dance you. is just a ground but i can't sit on my sit bones i've lost all my flexibility in my lower half of my body i have a really flexible upper body mm-hmm. 
So it's caused a lot of imbalances because my back's so flexible, my hips are so tight that my back compensates a lot, but it's like all over the place and I injure it. And like, mm-hmm. But you know, it's, it's part of it and they're okay. And I think I'm gonna probably get another surgery on my left eventually. I don't know when mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to see a doctor in six months just to, cause I, I don't want it to get any worse than it is mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, they're really good. You wouldn't know. No. Like considering it, they're not that much, they're not super painful. Does know. it ever cause me problems when you're learning rap? Yes. So that's like the main thing. Should we explain what rep is? Oh yeah. Sorry. Repertoire. Yes. So when you're learning choreography, that's already been produced. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's mainly what we do at Toronto Dance Theater. Yeah. <laughs> not mainly. I won't say mainly. Lots of rooms. Yeah. yeah there's, um, you know, we, we, we've definitely moved away from a lot of that too, but a big portion of our season mm-hmm. often is remounting something that was done in the 80s or 90s or mm-hmm. earlier or even just something from last year or something. So with repertoire and my hips and my body, what I found is that the dancers that were dancing 30 years ago that were remounting danced differently and were trained differently. Mm-hmm. Totally. So all, even though the entire company, we were different dancers and we think differently. And, we, and obviously that will happen from year to year. But there is a big drastic shift, especially at TDT that I found with where the company was back then and where it is now. So for anyone, it's a big shift. But for me, I, I can't get into half the positions these mm-hmm. people can get into. Now, like, I don't, I don't whine about it. I don't, like, bring it up in rehearsal or anything. I just try my best to, like, make the position work for my body. Mm-hmm. And I'm lucky that at TDT and Christopher and Rose, who are the rehearsal director and artist director, they do allow space for you to find it for you. So it's not as regimented in what the person on the video is doing. Like there is some flexibility in how you can incorporate and make it work for you. Mm -hmm. So I've never found like I've been limited, but I will say like my entire, because I also teach a lot and I love doing workshops and stuff in my teaching practice. My practice in general is around unlocking individual movement potential. And because I've been so restricted in my range of motion in my hips, I've, I've been really focused on trying to unlock as much um, flexibility and mobility in my entire body mm-hmm. and using shapes and um, positions and um, orientations to where the audience is right. to hide the fact that it may not have flexibility in one area, but I can show it in another way right. or strength or whatever. So, um, yeah, so I think that's kind of like a mantra that I've been really sticking to lately Mm -hmm. Um, just like unlocking your potential and the dancers i'm teaching or Mm -hmm. individually but there's no resentment from directors or anything about not being able to no and they i think they forget that even have these surgeries and limitations honestly right Um, and i do too like i i don't really (laughs) i think also i think if you're going to do a remand you have to understand it's not going to be it can't be the same yeah (laughs) yeah no reason to have that essence no no yeah. So it's going to change. Every single time they did it also. Yes. Different, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was probably made on their bodies. and Yeah. You yeah. Know, you have to understand well, that it's, it's going to be completely different. Yeah. Right. Right. So you've had lots of um, physical health problems. <laughs> yeah. How's your mental state, Peter? Yeah. Fragile. <laughs> 
I love you. Oh, man. Oh, where do I start? Um, oh, I, it just there's so much stress in being I mean, a, an artist and a dancer and yes. sick. And if your physical body is sometimes failing you, your mental body sometimes oh, can't yes. pick itself up. It's I mean, it gets difficult for sure. I and I suffer from like severe amount of anxiety and I've done that my entire life like mm-hmm. I literally went to a counselor therapist twice a week since grade two mm-hmm. like it was just part of my <laughs> way of living like it's just what I did I just like talking to people it was good for me so I did that all the way through elementary school through high school college they had therapists and then I stopped because they're expensive mm-hmm. When, mm-hmm. You, when they're not subsidized by the school you're in. <laughs> <laughs> so in the last three years, it was, I was kind of living this fantasy because my career just kind of, I felt like it kind of shot off and I was doing lots of things and I was getting lots of opportunities. And so I didn't, I actually was kind of on this fake high for probably three years of like, Why do you call I'm it fine. a fake high? Because I really wasn't now looking back. Oh, okay. Like where I thought everything was okay and I was working myself to like the absolute limit. And I thought that's what it meant to be an artist was like struggling until like you no longer are like a person anymore. Yeah. Which is part of it. And I mean. um, Was that part like part of a coping mechanism for not having that therapy support? Yes. It definitely was. And and it's it's a coping mechanism for me because I also don't. I'm good at like connecting with people for sure but I don't really have close friends I don't like for those three years I don't go out and like I didn't ever went out to like to the club or like hung out with people I don't just hang out with people for the sake of hanging out there's always a hey do you want to help me with this or let's build a website or like there's always some work thing involved in it Mm -hmm. even my very close friends which I don't really have many Mm -hmm. are still always around some kind of thing that I'm working on. <laughs> right. um, so for those three years, it was very much like that. Just the people who were around me were people I was engaging with for work, mm-hmm. whatever my work was at that moment. Um, and then this last year with all my health stuff and then my dad passing away, I was, I nearly, and I nearly didn't even do the festival last year because I was so drained. Yeah, I want to talk about that. Yeah. yeah. I was so drained from the second from the second year because the second year was really great and we got a grant and all this stuff, mm-hmm. but I really didn't it was it was terrible after. Like I I just like I remember coming off of the second festival and like my whole summer was like I was super depressed and I didn't realize I was depressed until after and now thinking back, but I was like, Whoa mm-hmm. this was like terrible. I did nothing the entire summer but just like mope around because I just, I gave too much and it didn't give anything back to me. You were just exhausted. Yeah, I was absolutely mentally and physically exhausted. It was terrible. So yeah, I think when, since my dad passed away, like it certainly, lots of few months there, it was really difficult and I'm working through it now, but I've realized how, how much, like I wasn't really honest with myself with where my mental health was those, the last four years really. Um, and now I'm making the change mm-hmm. for the better. So, I mean, it took me that crazy journey to get where I am now. And it hurts because I, I am like, we're not doing a festival this year. Oh, 
we're not like I'm not I can't I just can't do a lot of these things I just Mm -hmm. if I do it I'm gonna have a complete breakdown Mm -hmm. because I've been very close to having a lot of these like episodes so and it hurts my ego and I I don't think I have a a big ego and I try not to like because I like helping people Mm -hmm. I I don't like to think of it that way but it it does hurt me a bit to say that and to like because it's my baby that I've like kind of fostered with my friends and something we've built up but it's not going away and it's not dead it's just we're just shifting focus for now and right you know just because we don't do a festival doesn't mean the organization isn't active Mm because we're still doing residencies and different things right now so yeah but it does hurt me a bit because it was it's a bit of like yeah it's my baby yeah (laughs) yeah so yeah my my mental health is getting there i say yeah I'm, I'm making changes slowly and I'm starting back with a therapist very soon and I'm hoping I'll start to figure out and answer a lot of questions that I've had over the last few years and especially in relationship to my dad and mm-hmm. my queerness and there's right. like so many things that need to be talked about Yeah, because <laughs> my dad also didn't know I was gay and like there's just lots there yeah there's lots there that needs yeah. to be Unpacked. Can we can we talk about that for a yeah, second? Because yeah, yeah. we've had this conversation um, before mm-hmm. about a work that you've been thinking about doing. Um, and do you want to just talk about that? Yeah. So, the, where do I start? <laughs> um, okay. So, my whole thing right now is that I'm really interested in nudity and in um consent driven um performative work or work that they can live in a gallery where people can come and witness stuff and it's all driven from kink and bondage and fetish kinds of communities Mm -hmm. so i have this whole realm of work that most people don't even know i do And I'm actively exploring, like, quite often. And I make films, and I've shown them in New York and different places. And But no one knows I'm doing this, because the, the branding and the image I have in Toronto is very much, like, oh, goody, goody, good. Like, mm-hmm. he's so, like, smiles. <laughs> and so, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel this is kind of the thing that I'm putting out there, is that I'm, or I was for the last few years, that I... I'm a happy person and I like doing like helping people out and making this festival and my all of my Instagram posts for the last three years were pretty like PG and Mm -hmm. then I kind of was like you know what why am I hiding this whole side of me that is very much me Mm -hmm. so I kind of just started posting more photos and nudity stuff through and it's all through an artistic lens I'm not just you know doing <laughs> whatever. Just promoting X-tube. cheap fit tea. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. So, yeah. Um, so, I am working on a solo um, that is really driven around um, a lot of different themes. And it's shifted every time I've performed it. And especially since my dad passed away, like, I'm just getting more and more information on what the solo is actually about. Because mm-hmm. at first I thought it was around, ma- like, toxic um masculinity and then then it sort of shifted into like my sexuality Mm -hmm. 
in more of a broader sense. And then it's now shifted into like <laughs> my sexuality, but how I am out, but I'm still not actually out mm. because I've, I'm out to like a general population, but I haven't actually opened up the whole second door of all this other queerness stuff I'm exploring. Like I don't oh, feel okay. like I'm fully showcase me as like a yeah true person do you think that's because you never came out to your dad or what do you yeah i mean i think i mean that's that's one that's actually one um example of mm -hmm. the problem is that i haven't been true to myself or to my loved ones or to my friends and family or to anyone mm -hmm. because i really am a very sexual person i really enjoy open conversations around sexual health and consent informed mm -hmm. play and relationships um but a lot of people don't know this <laughs> i mean i think i'm starting to drop hints on my instagram but like <laughs> if you don't follow me on instagram then like you wouldn't know this you know p.s follow you on instagram yeah follow me on instagram get a journey say that <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah uh yeah so i'm doing this performative work um i've showcased in a few places just nothing nowhere in toronto right i'm just it's really hard to find a place for this in toronto on top of this i also teach a crap ton at little like dance studios here and there around ontario i do comp choreography mm -hmm. i judge competitions and it's right. a very big part of me too like i love teaching and children and like it's and just it just fuels me like mm -hmm. it's my one of my favorite things to do I wouldn't want to do it maybe on a regular basis I like going mm -hmm. in more workshops and just right, like right. teaching them offhandedly but you know and then their moms or dads follow me on Instagram and it's so it's this weird balance of like how do I how do you how do you f not saying that like nudity isn't being a role model but how do you be a role model for these children yeah but young impressionable yeah. impressionable people yeah but there's so much like stigma and assumptions that people make about kink and bdsm yes. and leather yeah. and all of those things you can't if the yeah people look at those things as weird and as crazy and yes there must be something wrong with you if you enjoy something like that and so but everybody's kinky Right? Like, yes. Everyone has, <laughs> but everyone has something. But no one yes. will talk about it. Yeah. But no one likes to talk about it. The and kink no, is in the bed. Yeah. <laughs> and no one likes to talk about it. And people don't necessarily want to know about other people's yeah. kinks, right? And so I think there's a lot of, like, public shame mm -hmm. attached to that. Mm -hmm. Right? And, Completely agree. Yeah. And there's a lot of public shame around that. And, like, people, even, like, sex clubs like oasis and you say something like that and it's like so scandalous and they're like but it's not actually about like having sex with strangers or doing crazy things even if that's like what you want it's about being in a place that is consent focused and open and honest, liberating and liberating yeah. and you can just do yourself you can just go sit naked in a hot tub and or you can go in a bathing suit and it doesn't matter yeah but it's the what is that space about mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. right and you also i think a big misconception is that BDSM and kink and bondage and all of these kind of fetish realm of work is that it's often you don't have sex. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think, like, people seem to think that a lot of kinks are sex focused and they are. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, a lot can of mine be. can be. and But a lot of people 
it's complete like they're completely separate mm -hmm. they you know they don't engage in any nudity when they're playing with rope and rope play and bondage some people just like being suspended from the ceiling with rope right mm -hmm. which is cool mm -hmm. yeah it's about being tied up or it's about giving yeah. over control to yes. someone that you trust mm -hmm. rather than like oh we're gonna have sex yeah yeah right. and yeah. the thing with all this is is that you actually have more control as and that's why, sub. yes, yeah. and that's why I actually enjoy this kind of play because whether or not I'm having sex or whatever, that doesn't really matter to me. It's it's that I actually can curate the experiences I want hmm. and can truly have consensual control on what the outcome right. of this situation is going to be. Because I've been in too many situations where you do you just randomly hook up with some random fucking person and it's just terrible. It's the worst. <laughs> it's like, it just doesn't bring, you just feel like shit after and you're, okay, yeah, you got off, but like, what is that going to do beyond? Right. You just go jerk but, off. Yeah, literally. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's the know. lesson you should be posting on your Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> don't have sex with random. Don't have sex with random. Yeah. Curate those Unless sessions. you want to, then I guess do it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I've been really struggling and trying to find a place for my performative work and my photography and videography mm -hmm. that is in this realm of um, nudity kind of play within the realm of work that I do with Toronto Dance Theatre because I am a public figure mm -hmm. and I do represent the company as much as I'm not the artistic director. I do represent the company and then I also represent um, New Blue, which is very emerging and youth-focused. Mm -hmm. And then I also do a lot of teaching and where do I find this realm of work? And I've noticed that the where I can showcase this is outside of Toronto. Mm -hmm. And I just don't publicize it to Toronto people. Right. I would like that to, I'd eventually like to get there, but I'm only 24. I got a long time to like mm -hmm. carve out my own community within Toronto right. to do that. So I don't need to make it happen overnight. But I am realizing it's really important to me and it needs to, I don't want to push it away. Right. Because I tried pushing it away for too long. And wasn't honest with my friends and family about my sexuality and my desires around um, these things. And now I'm going to see a therapist. So yeah, <laughs> that's that. Um, so this type of work, you don't think it's at this point, it's not ready to be showcased in Toronto. Is it strictly because because of this these figures and you're not ready yet? Or is it because do you think the environment that Toronto is right now in the artistic community? Or both? Um, I'm ready. Like, I don't really give a shit what people think anymore. Yeah. That's what I've realized since my dad passed away. It's mm -hmm. like, why am like, life's too short. Mm -hmm. Just fucking do what you need to do. But I will say, I don't think Toronto's ready. And I don't think there's a really a true, like a big community that's interested in this work. Right. Mm -hmm. So me being the entre entrepreneurial kind of <laughs> spirit I am, I'm thinking of maybe curating events or somehow starting workshops with practitioners that are teaching workshops in BDSM and consent and kink. Mm. But I want to bring that to the arts community hmm. because dance and choreography, like the relationship between choreographer and dancers is the same relationship as a is a dominant and yeah. a submissive personality yeah. or There's whatever your relationship thing. is. Yeah. And I think we're all trying to work away. I mean, I wouldn't say that, but... I think a big part of the community is trying to take away the um, hierarchical kind of standing within choreographer mm -hmm. and, and it's way more collaborative and it's similar with 
been BDSM, and I think there's a lot of great practitioners in Toronto um, in the BDSM community that are teaching workshops around those kinds of consent-driven practices. So mm, right. I thought that might be a good way to start a conversation and open the door around the um, the similarities between performance work and mm. kink and stuff. So yeah. yeah, I'm in no rush mm. as much as I want to be because it's like, oh, I, I know I have something great or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, right. we're all passionate about our own stuff. Like, y'all <laughs> just think it's gold. <laughs> you know, it's a fucking piece of shit. But. <laughs> Um, yeah, but uh, you know, whatever, I'll just keep, I have a private website, like section on my website that I post to, and I have people who are interested in that and they, they can just email me and access it and see what I've been working on. But yeah, I think it will come in time. And I just don't think Toronto's ready. As liberal as Toronto is, sex positivity is something else. Yeah. Right. And the BDSM and King community in Toronto is still very small. Yes. They have a bigger community in Vancouver, actually. Mm-hmm. I was going to see Montreal. Vancouver. Really? Montreal is pretty good, but Vancouver is a pretty big, like, yeah. community. Really? <laughs> and they have, like, full, um, like, they have, like, stores dedicated. I mean, we have some on this. Like, there's a few in the city, but not like Vancouver. They have, like, they have a full festival dedicated around it and stuff. Toronto is just not there. And there's the Black Eagle, and that's very specific to one type of um, community and they do some workshops there and there are some people in the city that do mm-hmm. some workshops around different things but it's not I don't know it's not as open mm-hmm. like here you, this is the thing it's kind of like you have to be welcomed to the club yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. kind of get access right for Vancouver it seems to be more like out there out there <laughs> like everything in Vancouver it's just like yeah. ah yeah <laughs> mountains let's just walk through the sand and their bare feet um do you want to talk a little bit about the opportunities New Blue has been offering in this past season in yeah. the past um yeah so I started New Blue right out of school because I didn't think I was going to get a job hmm. and then within the same month of me launching New Blue I got TDT, which is <laughs> great, I mean, amazing, and I love it, but it's like, shit, <laughs> I have two full-time jobs. Um, so it was, it used to be just a festival in our first year, and then I kind of decided that I wanted to switch it more to a organization that's supporting emerging artists year-round, mm-hmm. with ending with a major kind of festival. So the focus is still the festival, for sure, but um, so in the last few years, we've presented work at like Dance Ontario Dance Weekend. Um, so I've curated the slot there. Um, we've done a lot of residencies. We've partnered with Cage of the Dance and did a creative risk residency. We've done a contact dance residency with another organization in the city. Um, we've partnered with Form, which is Festival Recorded Movement, um, a few times. Um, so in the last few years, we've kind of explored a bunch of different options. We've done pop-up creative pads, so small four-hour residencies and kind of different showings and performative stuff. So workshops, lots of workshops too. Um, this season, um, we did the Creative Risk Residency with Cages. So we had two artists for that. Um, and then we're showcasing their work at Wind Down Dance, which is um, the Cages um, 
kind of in February, right? Yeah, it's yeah, sort of like showing. Yeah. That it's, yeah. They do it at Dover Courthouse. It's like a showing for a bunch of different artists that they're working with and mm. stuff like that. So that's happening. Um, we showcased um, an artist at Dance Ontario Dance Weekend just this past weekend, actually. Um, we also did. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, the which was kind of exciting. So. Form Festival Recorded Movement has a touring program called Moving Forward. And they asked New Blue if we would be the Toronto stop. So we would, um, we were going to rent like a, a movie theater. And we were going to put on an event to showcase all these films that they've curated. And they're different artists from across Canada. Um, so that was going to happen. And then I got an email from Progress Festival, which is festival run by Summerworks Performance Festival and Theatre Centre, because I, I work for Summerworks every summer usually. Oh, cool. So Laura knew that I was interested in like presenting and curatorial work, mm-hmm. so she offered or asked me if I'd be interested in showcasing this, um, this event at her festival, like at the festival between the Theatre Centre and Summerworks called Progress Festival. So I said, sure. So now we're presenting, we're the presenting partner for Summerworks and Theatre Centre at Progress Festival to showcase Moving Forward, which was curated by Festival Recorded Movement. Wow. It's a big thing. (laughs) We're kind of like, yeah, we're helping like kind of connect the dots with that. Yeah. So that's happening um, February 9th soon, actually. (laughs) Pretty soon. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, in five days, six days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's February, that. guys. Yeah, it's February. It's fucking January took forever and it's February now. Yeah. So, yeah, that's happening, which is kind of fun. Um, and then we were just at On the Move, like Alex, another team member, sat on the move and she was handing out um, kind of one hour free consultations with me on like cards that, so anyone at On the Move, um, could reach out to me and if they want to have ask questions about stuff, um, they can get a free hour session with me. So I'm just trying to still keep New Blue a bit active on social media, but we're not going to have a big festival at the end of the year. I think if we do something, because we do have a few artists that I still um, that we still have in residencies, and we're doing a some just random small residencies that are no one really knows that are happening. I'm just kind of providing money and resources for I do want to showcase them so we might do maybe one night in a theater just Mm -hmm. to showcase what they've worked on or whatever but um, I'm not even sure yet I'm I'm gonna see how that might work and it might not be in June it might be in September or something Mm -hmm. I'm not sure yet so yeah not 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 as much as happening this year as previous years but I think that's okay because Mm -hmm. we're just in a transition and trying to figure out and trying to also questioning whether the the model of New Blue and the festival itself is what actually best serves the community and whether right. we need something more developmental, mm-hmm. like a, like more of a development platform, which I think is there. And I was I actually applied for a grant for the OAC to add a full week before the festival. So I was eventually was hoping to have a festival for a week, but the week before would be... Um, for all the artists would be workshops around mm. lighting design and a workshop mm-hmm. around art, like and workshops for all the for also the technicians because all of our team is emerging too so right it wouldn't be just the 
just for the artists themselves, it'd be for the entire um, community to make productions happen and stuff. So we didn't get that grant, so you know it didn't happen. But <laughs> I'm also been I've been looking at the model of what's happened in the last few years, and we've exploded into a seven day massive thing that. Now I'm just trying to think of like, okay, how can I wheel this back in and make it a bit more um, curated finally? And mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, because I see there's big, obviously there's a bunch of shit with New Blue that needs to be fixed, like branding and marketing. But there's just, you know, I'm only one person and then I have like a few friends to help, but like it's not, mm-hmm. you know, like we, we are, we're all super busy and work on other things. So we don't have the money to be, like I wish right. I could pay people to like actually Super do the su- social media and marketing and branding, and but you're fucking one person doing it all yourself. Yeah, that's not good for no. you. For, you no, you all of those expectations on yourself. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and it's hard enough doing your own fucking show. Like if it's your own thing, then at least you're like. But you know how terrible it is sometimes doing like, there's like fifty artists. And I'm building the website and like no promoting everything, doing it all <laughs> no yourself. Yeah, like you do it all yourself, and then you're just like, why? If I put this time into my work, I'd be in Europe by this time. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be on tour. I'd be on tour. You know what I mean? Like that's what I'm thinking about. It's like, but I mean, it's a, it's, it's me. I love helping people, and I wouldn't mm. never stop that. But it, it fucking drains you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you are looking at. Um, curating works about something you look for oh okay so little disclaimer here I would say 90% or more of the stuff I see at New Blue I'm not that interested in personally Mm -hmm. so going back to how we kind of curate most often there's been little exceptions just because of time and different things but we try to go about it in a way that is um, as fair as possible, but by still, by not making it a lottery, though. Because mm. that's the most, I would say, it's closer to the fairest kind of. Yeah. But then I find you can really get varying degrees of. Professionalism. Yes. <laughs> and I'm the one who has to deal with these people emailing. Mm. And, <laughs> right? Like, right. It's, yes. I'm not, it's not like fringe where I'm just giving them a venue and they can just go to shit. Like, yeah. there is things I need from these people yeah. <laughs> I have to deal with. So, um, we actually take Jaina as part of the team. She takes the names off of the um, applications and we don't look at the support materials. We just look at oh. the um, 250 word description of the piece they want to create or the piece that's being created or whatever, just a description of what mm. they want to work on. Mm-hmm. And then the why New Blue would be good for you, which is like 100 words or something. Right. So those are the only two things I will read and the team will read. And from there, we read them and we say, oh, this person seems really passionate and the quality seems good in their writing and like very clear on what they want to work on. So we, I solely base and curate the entire festival this way (laughs) so i don't look at the videos i don't look at their names because far too often you hear about even people like i work at like mcdonald's and just because of the way their name is spelled they get discriminated against or oh like i have friends and like it's also such a small community yeah Yeah. (laughs) if i if they apply oh i really like that artist and then that's what i want and it's not about me Mm -hmm. it was never about me because mm-hmm. if it was my own performative series, I wanted to curate. I'd call it PK, 
curatorial <laughs> bondage and then I just create a bunch of you know what I mean like, yeah, okay. so it's not actually right. about me at all yeah. it's never been about me so we do it that way so that we try to get as the, the fairest kind of thing but also still see the passion and the quality in it mm-hmm. um, and then so, we, so say we have, we have to pick 20 artists for a certain um, event we might pick 25 mm-hmm. And then from there, we'll look at the names and we'll look at the support material and we'll, we'll narrow it down if there's any, because sometimes the same person can apply twice with two different pieces. So it's like, oh, okay, yeah. we can't, yeah. we can't have them twice in the same kind of category or, oh, this person would like, um, oh, they're working together or then this one's solo. So we choose one of the two or whatever, just so it's fair. Um, but I think that's kind of the fairest way to do what, this is the fairest way I found to do it, mm-hmm. but by still, um, getting a good kind of quality and passion Mm -hmm. and it worked I think like we've had a a fairly diverse um festivals which I'm really trying to focus on and um and quality stuff and passionate people and do I like a lot of it no do I see the passion and the quality yes so that's all what matters to me Right. If it's helping you getting to where you want to go, then that's all that right. matters. That's like part of the reason you developed it in the first place. Yeah. 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 Because it's not about me. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I might feel good like standing up there and be like, woo, we did this. But <laughs> woo, it was like, great, great. On to the next. Yeah. <laughs> so, God. yeah. Did I answer your question? No, yeah, yeah. you did. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Is being an artist fucking killing you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even finish. Jeez. <laughs> I literally, like, question every day. I've been looking into different, like, programs and careers going to, like, I am 100%. This is, like, all a bit too much. So, yeah, I'm not, I don't know what the future will hold for me. Like, I'm honestly thinking about, like, making my way out of this community. Oh, wow. Um. Which is weird because people are like, because you, you like, found so much success in it and yeah. you feel happy about it, yeah. But it's that's fake success. It so doesn't support the life that you want. Exactly. Right. So, and I mean, it's not fake success. I mean, I, yes, I've hit some strides, but it's not the life I want necessarily. Like, it's not what what may seem successful to you two to me isn't successful, and right. I, I and it's something I struggle with because I push myself constantly and I'm like an overachiever to the max so nothing's good enough for me mm-hmm. <laughs> like so it, which is which is a hard place to be and I need to also be content with just being 24 and being a dumbass that stays out till four o'clock in the morning like being human yeah because mm-hmm. I don't I never had that experience so and I've been incorporating that a little bit more in the last year and a half I'd say mm-hmm. um is it also hard yeah. because at some point, I'm sure you thought, oh, I want to be a dancer at TDT. And then this this was like the dream. And then you got there. And now you're realizing you've changed over these years. And now, is that really what the dream... You worked these three years to get to this dream that you realized isn't really the dream that you wanted yeah. anymore. Yeah. So, that's a hard realization. Yes, that's a very hard realization. <laughs> and like, what, what I'll say to that is that, that for sure that is certainly a part of what happened and what is happening at the moment like mm-hmm. I really 
like when I auditioned for the company, I went with Shaquille, which was my boyfriend at the time, and he just asked me to come. Like I wasn't that, I never thought in a million years I'd get into this company. Like I literally went to the audition just taking it as a dance class because mm-hmm. it's a free class. <laughs> then I got, you know, I stayed to the final round or whatever, and then I got asked to be in the company, and I was like, what? This is possible? So, I mean, like, talk about dreams coming true. Like, obviously, it was a bit in the back of my head being like, this would be, like, the most amazing thing. Mm-hmm. It would, like, launch my career. And it did. And it was amazing. And it's been amazing. And it's, I've learned so much and I've improved so much as a dancer by being in this company. But now that I'm in it, and I think people often put me in this box that, like, they say, oh, you're so privileged to be in a company full time. And oh, you make so much money, or oh, you do this, and oh, you do that. And it's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yes, like I also, because I also have done a bit of freelance stuff, and I understand the the struggles with that Mm -hmm. and balancing those types of, that way of working. But you know, I fucking like, I wish I had the flexibility, because I can't dance for other people when I'm on contract. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have to ask permission, and sometimes they'll let you, but like, you're working 10 a.m. till 6 p.m., dancing all day. I come home, I'm exhausted. Do you think I want to go to another rehearsal? And, and get paid half as much. Yeah. And like, yeah. Or at all. Like, yeah. And then, then the other thing that I struggle with sometimes is that sometimes the work you're doing isn't, like, you're not as interested in it, right? Right. Um, so. It's not saying that it's not fulfilling, and I, I do love that, and I do love most of the work we do at TDT. It's not... Mm-hmm. really a huge issue but there are moments when I'm like I'm just questioning my training and like what else is out there mm-hmm. um also yeah like we get a salary and you know like a weekly or every two weeks like a paycheck that comes in or whatever which is nice and the, the consistency of that is um good but it's actually not a lot of money <laughs> for the and hours I, for the hours we right. like we work like it's not anywhere near cata rates mm-hmm. which people would assume that it'd be like this high paying mm-hmm. thing but it's like i can i'm barely scraping by with what i'm getting paid mm-hmm. and i actually make more money when i go teach in london ontario on the weekend i can pull out seven and eight hundred dollars if i charge them x amount of dollars so i'm there all day and i'm teaching little children tap dance yep. and you can charge a crap for ton you. for competition yeah, yeah but here's my travel time yeah here's my stipend for the yeah. day exactly yeah. so it's this weird, like, I can make what I make in a week over there in a day. Yeah, yeah. it's a reality. So, <laughs> and I get mad because I'm like, fuck, like, I wish I had more flexibility to be able to do more because I feel like I can offer a lot more. And I wish I could spend more time on New Blue and actually cultivate relationships with other organizations and stuff. So I do feel really restricted sometimes within the structure of TDT and how it's running. But I also see the benefits because I am there for september until may usually mm-hmm. full time and i can have a some insurance stuff and we get like a weekly thing and there's some stability there that me as a person really needs mm-hmm. um because i really struggle with um when i like when i don't have structure i really get all over the place like mental health wise mm-hmm. like it's just I really need to like wake up in the morning, have somewhere to be. Like I need to fill yeah. my day and have it all structured in that way. So, um, and that's why I've been looking into other careers because once I'm out of TDT, 
if I don't get a job running like a festival or an organization or TDT, like I could mm -hmm. see myself in these kind of leadership roles. I think that's where my, um, my personality are. and strengths are for sure. Um, I think I'm a nice person and open to like, I don't know, I think I have lots of ideas and pretty passionate about certain things. So I would, I hope one day I could run a something mm -hmm. like that. But I'm also looking into other options because I don't know if that's going to be the case. I don't know where my career is going to go. And so it's just kind of, yeah. And it's just, it's fucking hard. It's just fucking hard. <laughs> like, yeah. And, yeah. and cause I just, <laughs> and then you have my own performative work. It's just like, oh fuck, where is that going to go? <laughs> and then you got like little John Smith, little tap dancer and Smithville, Ontario or whatever and teaching them cramp rolls for four hours. It's just like, I don't know. It's just, it's just a lot. It can get a lot sometimes. So yeah, it's fucking killing me for sure. That's a great answer. That's yeah. great. Aww. Thank you so much, Peter. Oh, thank you. That was great. <laughs> It was amazing. It was amazing. And also, you shouldn't think all those things. You are all those things. Yes. So stop that. <laughs> Take your time this year and enjoy your yeah. summer. Yeah. Oh, I'm planning on that. Yeah. One of the hard things for, like, even me to realize when, like, producing your own stuff and wanting things to move at a certain pace, that it's okay if it doesn't. Yeah. Right? And it's okay if things take time. Yeah. And to not, like, have that expectation where, like, like I was with our latest film, I'm like, why isn't it done yet? Mm -hmm. Why are we doing things? Why isn't anything happening? Yeah. But that's just like all of my own expectations on myself. Yes. Where, but the, just, there's no reason for us to push it out right now. There's no nope. reason for us to like mm -hmm. make work, it happen overnight. Yeah, right. or work at a pace that's like unsustainable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So sustainability <laughs> seriously is the fucking word of the century. Yeah. <laughs> For this planet, <laughs> on all fronts, like, yeah. we're not going to last in a hundred years at this rate with this fucking global warming shit. No, no. <sighs> but why? Well, I mean, what do I know? He's <laughs> a fucking artist. <laughs> Barely afford rent. And food. That was. That's. I think that's how we're going to end it right there. What the fuck do I know? <laughs> Amazing. Thanks. Peter. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. Uh, thank you guys for listening so much. If you don't follow us already, go to our Instagram, Facebook, Patreon, Twitter. Twitter all of the social media platforms. If you go right to our website, you can do a one-stop shop and hit all those things at once. Thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you next week. Bye.